the Exhaust Notes Podcast. What is good, everyone? Welcome back to the Exhaust Notes Podcast. We are here to celebrate Todd's life accomplishment, Danny Rick back in the driver's seat in Formula One. We, we might record back to back to back to back. Like, we might not stop recording now. I mean, it's, this is such great news that, like, we're going to be so motivated to talk Formula One. I think this is a... It's a life-changing experience to see Danny Rick back in a in a Formula One car. No, I was, but we'll get into that. What's good, guys? How you doing? Go ahead, Toddly. Toddly no, Toddly please, Day. please. I, <laughs> I want more. Um, no, I was just going to say this. Adoration. Yeah, that's true. What we want to say is we here at the Exhaust Notes podcast, and as you can see by my username for this episode, I was clearly the biggest Danny Rick fan, not these two yahoos. But I'm so glad that in... The year 2023 on June 11th at 8.57 p.m. The secret is still alive. Todd Yates literally spoke this into existence. (laughs) And here we've been complaining about some of our community members, hi Julie, for not jinxing Max Verstappen because he's going to win every race now and it's not even fun. It's just the Lord works in mysterious ways. And this year the Lord decided to (laughs) give us the miracle that is Todd Yates and his prognostication skills. Todd, just take it from here. I'm just sick to my stomach. Our Father who art in heaven, um, helmet be thy name. <laughs> no, God no. <laughs> Doctor Evil be thy name. I I liked it. I like Nick how you said that's like my greatest accomplishment in life. Um, you know, I thought it was. I Coco. Yeah, I thought it was <laughs> being married to a beautiful woman or like you know having two beautiful children. But nope, nope. It's. Uh, getting DR back on the grid. Honey Badger is back, baby. I even wore my one of one custom dyed Danny Rick official merch just for the episode. Felt like a good day to break it out again. Nice. We're back, baby. Did anybody ask yeah. you? Did anybody ask you about that shirt today? Given the news? No, because I just put this on. If I'm honest, I was wearing a different Daniel Ricardo shirt to this morning or most of the day, which I showed shared with you guys through text. Uh, that said uh, Redemption Day, and it was about uh, Danny Rick's win at Monaco after, you know, he lost in like 20, what was it, 2016, I think he went back and then uh, won it in 2017. Right. So that's where we, uh, it's been a heavy Danny Rick day. Yeah, and I I apologize, Todd, I should have prefaced that by saying, you know, Greatest life accomplishment aside from, you know, wife and kids. No, like, I think you had it properly right. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, I think in, order, <laughs> in order, it's Danny Rick. Uh, let, me, let me ask you a question. This will determine whether or not I, I was I was correct in that. D- have you ever worn two shirts of either your wife or kids in one day? Like two different shirts of theirs in one I day? I will respond to that saying i only own one shirt of my kids that's about my kids and that's it and i have zero about my wife so by if if the math's gonna math then danny rick's definitely first love so i mean i just wanted to i'm just glad you 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 said it on the show because like i don't think that's something that people would actually believe like just casually tuning in if we were talking on Twitter or someplace about, you know, how big of a Danny Rick fan you are wearing two shirts in one day of the same person or team. 
That's yeah. commitment, man. I, yes. I applaud it. I applaud it. Twitter personified at this point. Like, well done. No, don't put that <laughs> evil on me. Don't put that evil on me. <laughs> F1 no, Twitter. What are you talking about? F1. You're the living, breathing Mm-mm. team, Danny Rick. Not only that, that reminds me of Office Space where, you know, <laughs> there's a question in that movie. It's like, what would you do with a million dollars besides two chicks at the same time? <laughs> if I asked Todd Yates that, I think his... Default response is besides wear two Danny Rick t-shirts at the same time. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. So this is fairly recent news, right? So, so Todd, I think you got to break it down for people that, that might actually get this information from us or need a little deeper update. Well, on if it you've been sleeping under a rock, it was announced <laughs> this morning that Nick DeVries, as of... Uh, as of, or I guess effective immediately, is no longer racing for AlphaTauri, which is the junior slash sister team of of Red Bull Racing. And with immediate effect, he's being replaced by one Daniel Joseph Ricardo. I don't even know is if it's Joseph. Is I don't know. Him? I'm just going to look that up now because I <laughs> Daniel Ricardo. Let him have it. I, I hope it's just. I just think it's crazy that that we were all predicting. Of course it is. <laughs> amazing. Yep. Anyway, I think it's amazing that we are all predicting all these other drivers to be cut, and it's. Well, let's talk about Devries first, I mean, right? Not that he's sh- not that he's shown any. Yeah. Reason Eat to not cut talk to us about DeVries and then just pig out on the dessert. No, this dessert. is this is like a good <laughs> counterpoint to this. Is like, do you guys think DeVries deserved to get cut after ten races? He didn't even make it to mid-season. He didn't make it to the summer break. Like we know that the Red this- Bull carousel spins fast, and we can talk. Look at like Kvyat and Gasly and Albon and all all of that, and Max coming into the sport like was all replacements, um, you know, short-term replacements, I should say. But it's a kind of a bum deal for Nick DeVries. Even, granted, his I, performances have been not up to snuff, but go, Ro, go. This is my thought. I think if there wasn't friction at the top team, at the Red Bull level, I think he gets more of an opportunity. I think, and I'm not the only person that said this, is I've consulted Todd's favorite portion of the internet, Formula One Twitter. This is more an indictment on how bad Sergio Perez has been. And I think this is a bit of a wake-up call to Sergio Perez saying, if you don't straighten up, there's a Danny Rick-sized hole in your car that we're more than likely going to fill. Because it's not going to be Yuki. They're not going to give it to the likes of Liam Lawson or the hundreds of others in their Red Bull program. This is them kicking the tires, if you will, on Danny Rick, as a warning shot to Checo. And I don't think Checo is going to make it to next year as a Red Bull driver. The question will now be, who is his direct replacement? And I think this is where, as we were kind of preparing in the pregame meeting of this particular episode, this might be our unofficial Silly Season episode now, but that's what I'm thinking. I think if Checo was par for the course, if he was doing his best Valtteri Bottas, we don't see Nick DeVries get the yank this soon and this early. Because I didn't think he was that bad. And I also don't think Yuki's been beating the pants off him to justify such a quick hook. Yeah, I think I kind of agree. I think that the other reason that I think is really 
a, a serious consideration for Red Bull, which we'll get into in a little bit. But like McLaren is fast as hell right now, like fast as hell on hards when everyone else is on mediums and softs. Like it says a lot. But I think that the the thing about Red Bull, this is like the the thing that makes you love and hate this sport, in my opinion. It's so cutthroat that these guys have to be so good to avoid being cut. But with a team like Red Bull, you have to be like second greatest in the world without any question, right? You can't be the greatest because then we have a problem because now Max has got competition. But like, if you can be the second greatest in the world, everything's a okay, right? That's Red Bull last season. You know, Checo was was flying, you know, not much competition with Max, but got a couple of wins, whatever. And I think that's a really interesting approach. The other part of that with Red Bull and the and, you know, as you guys are both saying, like how. It's just competitive at Red Bull, right? There's so many drivers they've you know, they've stacked the deck in their favor, so to speak. But we all know that Danny Rick and this is nothing against Nick DeVries, but we all know that Danny Ricardo is a better driver than most of the people on the grid. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe top 10, I think is, is a, I can comfortably say he's a top 10 driver in formula one right now. He might be a little rusty for a few weeks, a few races, whatever that looks like. But like, given how good the Red Bull car is, I wouldn't be surprised if he's right near the top by, you know, four or five races from now. And I think that's, and, and hopefully even sooner. Right. But like, that's also, I don't think it's the car. What though. makes it so challenging? Speaking of challenging, that's the thing I am most worried about is we saw Danny Rick struggle with the McLaren. And I think last year's McLaren is a better car than what the Alpha Tori car that he's about to get into is. So that's where I'm really interested to see it, because if he can pull this out in that car, then he not only deserves to be back on the grid, he should be some lower midfield team's first driver. But, but does he really want that? You know, like at the end of the day, a, a lower midfield team, even look, even Aston is not as not, not it's not going to be as rewarding and, and fulfilling for him as somebody who has raced at the top tier. You know, like he had, you know, arguably one of the better cars with McLaren, obviously one of the better cars with Red Bull. I think that. I, I just don't see any of these guys who are truly like top level drivers feeling excited about being the first guy on a mid middle of the road team. Right. They want to win. And it's kind, it's kind of like Lando, right? Like Lando, you know, like Max has been saying it for a long time. If Lando had a competitive car, he'd be on the podium. And like, now he has a competitive car instantly podium finish. Right. Like I think that, I think that that's a really tough thing to like going back to why I say this whole storyline and debacle and, you know, entertainment aspect of this sport is what makes it so great. Like Danny Rick can be in arguably the best car that's built right now, the Red Bull. If, if he's in, let's say an alpha, and is constantly finishing seventh, eighth place in the races as the number one guy and has whomever as his number two, does he really feel like, does it feel rewarding? 
Probably not because like he's all these guys have to be so competitive that if they're not first, they're last, you know, Ricky Bobby, baby. That's just like, I feel like that's ex- like how they have to approach it because if they let off at all in terms of their determination and their just sheer competitiveness, they're going to end up, you know, falling off and, you know, driving NASCAR or something. You know? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm just, Hey, but NASCAR streets of Chicago looked really cool. That was, I have to say a spectacle and a farce at the same time. <clears throat> I hope <laughs> yeah. they do it again. I don't know. There's rumor mills that that might not happen because it was such a shit show from the rain, but back to the issue at hand, I think the biggest question. So going back to my initial question, did Nick deserve to get canceled? I say yes, because in a, in a car that's, the second slowest, maybe the slowest on the grid. Yuki's been in the points twice, outperforming that car big time. And granted, it's based on setups and the weekend and how the car is developing with the track and yada, yada, yada. There's a million variables. But Yuki's been in the, the points twice. The closest Nick got was 12th. Their average differential and finishing position is four places. So across 10 races... Nick was on average four places lower than uh, than Yuki, with the biggest gap being ten and the smallest gap being negative because he technically beat him twice, but it was two races where Yuki had bad luck and or mechanical yada yada. But going further to the the Daniel Ricardo thing, this. I think it's also like on on some level scary because if he comes in and Yuki wipes the floor with him, what does Red Bull do? They're not going to keep Danny Rick at AlphaTauri. Danny Rick is is banking his career on the fact that he can come in handily beat uh, Yuki in a terrible car. And then hopefully open up his options to either that Red Bull seat, which Checo, you know, God, God knows what's going on with him right now, or prove to another team that he is uh, up to snuff for that. Right. The thing that I think has changed in recent history is that he's admitted that he will drive for one of those lower teams because like Haas and uh Alpha and what was the other kind of lower midfield team that he was talking to? It wasn't Williams, was it? No, it wasn't. Oh, maybe it was Williams, I think. Um, he was just flat out not interested in last year. So I like Ro was saying, or Nick, you were saying that you don't think he's gonna come in and be like, I want to drive for Alpha and finish at best, you know, P seven a couple times in a season. <laughs> I think he's kind of realized where he is in life, his age, et cetera, and just wants to like race on like Terry for Alpha does now, or, you know, uh, by the way, I, I don't think Terry's long for this world either. Like I think that dude is checked out, but we can get on that whenever we go to the silly season. The thing I agree with both of you on is for the most part, this is a, I would say win, win 
situation for Danny Rick, but if he manages to fumble the bag and lose to Yuki, that's it. Like, I don't know how you can come back from that. And I also do worry that if he can't even do that in this hypothetical situation, his standing crumbles even further than those stints in Renault and McLaren. Yeah, that's kind of an interesting thought. I I think I, so I have like kind of a, a out of left field thought too, as you were asking about DeVries and if he deserved to get cut, you know, like, of course, no is my answer to everybody. Cause it's like, Hey, give him enough time in a good car. All these guys are really incredible drivers, but except for Lance Stroll, they sign. <laughs> Um, even Lance Stroll, Lance man, dance. but like, <laughs> I think that it's interesting because DeVries, they announced a DeVries signing before they picked up Danny Rick as a backup driver. Right. So if Red Bull's given that choice again, or, or maybe they even knew when they signed Danny Rick that he, that, Hey, he's going to end up taking this Alphatory car. We're going to give DeVries a shot, but it's, you know, he's not, he's not there yet. Like DeVries is one of those guys that I think has plenty of life in him to like, you know, bounce around a couple teams until he finds like the, the sweet spot. Um, you know, I think Does unfortunately he, like the, the, like as a 28 year old rookie, I mean, he's got the pedigree. I, I, I maybe, maybe not like long-term. Right. But like, let's say, you know, if he, like, I'd say like three seasons, right. He's not going to stick around with Alpha Tori. He's going to get a seat. Uh, let's say at, you know, Alfa Romeo or Williams or whatever that looks like, or, you know, who, who knows two seasons from now, we might have another team or two. Like, you know, there's all these variables, right? I'm not saying like people are going to be like, yeah, give him seven, eight years. But like, I think he's got, he'll probably have two or three seasons still to like be in and out of cars. I'm not confident that he's going to, you know, blow people away and, and like, you know, win a championship or anything, but Stranger things have happened, but I think that Red Bull actually probably took all this into consideration. They they planned for Danny Rick to be a part of this, like and and move into the AlphaTauri, you know, seat. I think that Danny Rick, yes, he's he's leaning more towards embracing where he's at in life, but like he's not going to want to be. He's just not going to want to be at Red Bull. Like I just don't see a situation, even if he gets into the Red Bull seat let's say Checo leaves at the end of the season, Danny Rick goes into the Red Bull second seat behind Max. It's going to be the same situation he's been in before where it's frustrating because he's not getting all the attention. And I think like, and I know this might sound like a broken record for those of you who have listened to the podcast for a long time. I think that people like these guys that are not top five drivers, maybe top seven, eight drivers absolutely need to, be showman outside of the outside of the outside of the car. I think that Danny Rick is that we all love him. We like, he's just a great personality. You know, like I think that he's one of those people that could sign with Haas and I've already said this, but like he, he would be incredible. You know, him and Gunther could go back and forth. Like it would be so entertaining that like at that point, who cares if you're winning you know, like, yes, of course you always want to win, but if you're selling enough merchandise to, you know, hit your bonus and make that extra money and keep the team afloat, like that's what it's all about. Right. Like to me, I think that's where Danny Rick is going to land somewhere where 
they really embrace his personality and like kind of change the way people think about the, like the marketing aspect of racing in formula one, because we've already seen like how crazy it could be with McLaren, not even like, you know, I would say a moderately competitive car, right? Top, you know, three team, top four team, whatever. And Danny Rick is like all over the place. It's super entertaining. Like seeing him do donuts in a NASCAR in Austin. Like it's like, you know, all these things that people will have memories about off of the racetrack are what make him so great. In my opinion, there's so many guys that are on the track now that, that don't have that type of personality or, or don't have the opportunity to showcase it. You know, like you have to be so driven and so diehard, you know, like all, all the, we've seen it with all these guys. We talk about it regularly. Lewis, you know, being like just super uber competitive, like nonstop. And then like, once he gets to the point of success, it's like, wow, you can kind of let off and, and like be more human. And same thing with Seb and like all of that kind of stuff to me is, is why he just, he doesn't fit at Red Bull, you know, like Red Bull's not, you know, he'll, he'll be great with Yuki. They already have a relationship. We've already he, seen Yuki, so many, like, that's what I'm calling him. Fun, <laughs> fun moments between the two of them. But like, you know, Red Bull is super competitive. Max is not, you know, like a, a prankster of any kind. And, and, you know, Christian Horner is not a prankster of any kind. And I feel like as much as like, I, I think Ricardo is as competitive as those guys. He also has fun with it. And I don't think that's a, 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 a good fit for the, the Red see, Bull team, where, even if Checo gets pushed out. If he can get the results, they will love him being the clown jester because ultimately it takes the attention away from Max outside of just his dominance. If he struggles the same way that Checo has been struggling, then you're right. They're going to want to get rid of him even quicker than they did DeVries. So this is truly a make-or-break moment for his legacy. I'm not going to say for his career because everything he's done in terms of his previous has established that he's an upper echelon driver. He's probably, oh, I guess this would be a topic for another day, but is he the greatest driver never to win a world championship? No, 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 no. There's been a bunch, but we can get, we can delve into okay. that. That's what the off season. That's for. a, that's a great, that's a great episode though. Yeah, yeah. We should definitely do that one. But at the same time, it's one of those things where you also mentioned Nick, the fact that he's maturing now. I think he's fine with it. If he's truly come to that self-awareness moment of if I can push max, if I can get the occasional podium more so than Checo has been in recent memory, I've lived a good life. The only thing I worry about is for the 12 viewers that actually watched his stream for the three races, like who's, are they going to replace him with Nick DeVries? Cause that would be hilarious. <laughs> I, yeah. We didn't actually get to talk about that. So I was actually in New York and got to watch the, uh, Will Arnett, Danny Ricardo coverage and i actually thought it was pretty good like it, it turned it started out really slow it was a little it was a little rough they both were super nervous but by the time it got rolling it was actually really entertaining i i personally i like i can't really watch formula one without having you know like Friendly the sky sports yeah. yeah like even when i watch on f1 tv like I, I it just bothers me when i end up on the american feed or whatever that the global feed. whatever the other feeds are where you've got to You've got to go to the global feed to get Sky yeah. Sports, right? Um, but, yeah, that's an interesting one, right? Like, there is nobody else in the sport, in my opinion, that could sit in that seat and be as entertaining as as Danny Rick could be as a commentator, right? I would love to see Seb be more involved, you know, publicly. 
but he's still not going to be as funny as Danny Rayquard. There is like, somebody, but it would be the complete opposite end of the humor spectrum, and that's one Kimi Raikkonen. And I do think <laughs> that him just mean mugging the shit out of yes. whatever Will Arnett serves his way would be hilarious in a different way. But I do like this concept yeah, of Manning cast in terms of having two professionals because I do think, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, the Seb Vettel and the Kimi Raikkonen of it all seems like a really good match in terms of commentators because I think if there's one person that could tease anything out of Kimi, it would be Seb. But what do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, jumping in on that that telecast of Will Arnett and Daniel Ricardo, like, I only got to cite highlights of it, but it was painful to watch. Like, I could see them doing that as kind of a race replay because we already know what happened and then talking nonsense over it. But, like, they weren't even mm. paying attention to the race. And, like, they had, like, Beastma, like, Marshawn Lynch on there for some reason. And he's, like, they're asking him car questions. And he's just, like, yeah, like, blue tires out doing donuts or something. Like, I don't know. It just... It was too far off the, the reservation. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and it I was just say that too far away from the actual from... race to be like a fun addition. But I could see them doing like a retrospective that way in in a fun way. Um, but it it is <laughs> like way more technical than football, right? American football is like. Like you don't have to watch the sport, the game at all to know what's going on for the most part. Right. You can hop in at any moment, see who has the ball, see what the score is and kind of understand, Hey, these guys are going this way. These guys are going this way. One thing that makes formula one inherently trickier is, and Todd's going to love this. We're all essentially slaves to the formula one TV direction. Like even if we (laughs) wanted to kind of look at what's happening for favorite driver X or what's happening in this battle for 13th, we're never really going to get that opportunity because we're not Sky Plus members the way our British audiences are, as ESPN and Sky Sports are quick to remind us with every broadcast. Don't forget to press your red button, Sky Q and Sky Glass customers. Uh, I Every love... time you speak, you push. Yeah, how do we get button. that? How do we get that hack yeah. over here? <laughs> uh, no, I. Well, this is a good time to shout out the F1 multi viewer. Um, I have watched. I haven't watched a live race with it yet, but watching race replays. You can literally put all the dry. You can be your own pit wall. It's insane. You can have every live feed from the driver on board and the pit lane and the track map and the actual live footage going on. So when they're talking about something on like Sky Sports that doesn't line up with what you're seeing on screen, you can just kind of look at whatever driver is going on, like whoop, another part of your own screen. So anyway, that was, <coughs> excuse me, a tangent. But the the funny thing about this to me is you said like the writing was on the wall and they thought they were going to get Daniel Ricardo in that seat anyway. It was kind of a planned thing is that came out pretty recently, actually rewinding a little. Um, I don't know, maybe a month ago, Daniel Ricardo went to Italy uh, to Alfa Terry's home base to have a seat fit. So... Every time when the people strike that down in the media and say like, oh, it's nothing, just routine in case he needs to race where I'm like, oh, is it really? If, if you're going on a full on seat fit, like there's where there's smoke, there's fire. But then it came out more recently that Helmet Marco and Christian Horner disagreed on 
signing Nick DeVries. Apparently, Helmut Marco, the Grand Wizard of the Red Bull Army, whatever he is, uh, and and didn't want him, and Christian Horner did, and what like I guess got the ultimate ruling vote, or maybe Helmut said whatever. I think you're wrong, but go ahead. So I think Nine. that's <laughs> yeah. I don't know anyway. <laughs> Any more ways to allude to him as like a as a not nice person as an axis of powers member. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, um, I'm stoked. I think Danny Rick's going to kill it. And I think within a few races, he will be fast in the Alpha Tauri, at least hanging pace with Yuki and still getting 12th at best, which will be okay. And then he'll be in the Red Bull next year. And I disagree uh, with you, Nick, that that he's going to want to go somewhere to be the front runner or somewhere that either the front runner or somewhere where he can like be the court jester and have fun with it. I think at this stage in his career, he just wants the odd race win and be competitive, get top tens a lot, and then he can have his own fun. Right. He's still going to even as a Red Bull driver, he's still going to show up to the Circuit of the Americas on a horse or giant Cadillac or a fucking Wright Brothers <laughs> biplane or something crazy Americana, right? <laughs> I think he'll be fine in Red Bull when he gets that seat. And I'm saying when, because I already manifested him coming back to Formula One in this fashion. I'm going to say he's going to <laughs> okay, check time out. Here, Here's right. the thing. Speaking of that, for our longtime listeners, we were looking at some of the bets we make before, during, after the season. Somebody on this panel took the over in a Danny Rick racing one and a half races this year. And two of you, I'm not going to mention who took the under. <laughs> so for all of that speculating and speaking into truth, I got a slurpee out of this. So I'm excited. <laughs> now that being said, I'm shout out to 7 Eleven sponsor the pod sponsor the pod. I am willing to go double or nothing with you gentlemen. If you are inclined over under, You know what? I'll, I'll, I'll give you guys this. Over under a half Danny Rick 10th place or better finishes this year. How many races do we have left? 10th 13? place or better. Oh, yeah. he's yeah, he's going to get I think he gets three. You get, OK, three. Todd, I would take the over if you're going to say. Point five. Point five. I would take the over because I think yeah. he's got one in him. But I do think it's going to okay. take him a bit to get pace in that car. Because, like, he apparently was really – he did the tire test for Red Bull, the Pirelli tire test at Silverstone today for Red Bull, and was only, like, a second off Max's pace for pole this last weekend, which you can say, like, it is impressive or not. Um, cause a second in formula one is like a mile, but not having driven a car in a long time. I think it's pretty quick. Um, I'd absolutely take the over, but I think you're short shorting yourself okay. by taking the under. I there. am shorting myself. So, so we do, Nick, you said three. So do the mm-hmm. over under at 1.5. I'll still take the over. Yeah. Let's you know what? Let's transfer that 1.5 over. I'm trying to help you out. I thank you. help me can can we go back to 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 one thing real quick uh todd todd kind of like dropped the bomb like subtly and was like alpha tori seat fitting 
you know, for like the sneaker history podcast listeners that are listening, a, a seat test fitting is kind of like when you tell your, you know, spouse or significant other or partner, I just entered the draw. I probably won't win, but then you win, right? Like that's basically a seat fitting in a formula one car is like, Oh yeah, we're just, it's, it's, it's nothing. It's nothing. But also you might win and you might be driving the car in a couple of weeks. <laughs> and for either even further diving down that rabbit hole for the people that don't know what a seat fitting is, the, the cockpits that formula one drivers sit in are literally molded within millimeters of like every angle of the driver's body. They use a special foam and they put a little plastic bag in the cockpit and then the driver sits on it and they pump, inject foam into this bag. So it molds like literally into their butt crack. Wow. Butt dimples. Yes. So if you're looking for Todd's holiday gift, whether it's Christmas, birthday, New Kwanzaa. Year's, any of those things, he's looking for a Kwanzaa. He's looking for a wow. Danny Rick. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. No. All right. Let's talk about McLaren. Yeah. Let's talk about McLaren because I finally had another Danny Rick thing that I wore. I finally had a reason to break out the very nice Secret Santa gift I got from Iron Trav. Shout out, Iron Trav. Uh, because last two races, we had what? Uh, well, only in, in Austria, only Lando had the upgrades, so Piastri still had a pretty bad – he had a decent race for the car still being slow. I think he was 11th or something. 16th. Uh, okay, just kidding. Pause. <laughs> felt better than that. Anyway, um, but Lando got a P5, I think, and this last race – Four. Oh, P4, excuse me. Average it out. You know, we're good. Um, this last That's race – uh, we had a P2 and a P4 on pace. Not any crazy safety car stuff. Actually, the safety car hurt Piastri, Oscar Pastry, if anything. He should have had yeah. a podium. He should have had his first F1 podium if he didn't pit right before that safety car. It's, there's a lot of things that I heard about them going into it, but they made significant updates in Austria. They had smaller, further updates for Silverstone. What every team has updates for Silverstone, including like smaller front wings and, and little turning veins or not turning veins, but little, little things here and there because it's such a high speed track. But do we think McLaren are back? Is this just uh, us getting overexcited as papaya diehards? Well, not you, Ro, but we know you're on board for friendship. I know. I am. That's the journey. <laughs> not the track with the track limits, but the limits of friendship. But it's a step in the right or a pedal in the right direction. I just want to understand one thing. Was anybody else disgusted by the tampering and the full-on bromance that Red Bull was doing in terms of batting their eyelids at Lando? Because I swear they were going out of their way to compliment him. So are they trying to actually move him to Red Bull or like what was the point of that? Other than that, they drew they drove as flawlessly as possible. And one of the loudest cheers I've heard this year was when Lando took the lead right out the start of the race. I mean, I think that's just Lando being at his home track, you know, team's home track, basically, I, you know, the the fans there want to see their, the fans at Silverstone are like still recovering from Lewis losing to Max 
two years ago. Right. And like, I think they just want to see a homegrown, you know, win. So I think the cheering in that was, was, you know, more based on yep. the, the, the actual performance and Lando being at the top. I think the, the, it was really interesting how much, not just Red Bull, but like all the teams talked up Lando and, and the McLaren, right? Like, even Lewis was like, you know, almost like, yeah, I forget. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, it's like that's it's saying a lot, you know, like he even was like, yeah, it's very similar to the Red Bull, but like it's fast, you know. And then there was, of course, like the commentary on the, on the Internet, F1 Twitter and Instagram and memes and all that. And it's just like I it's hard for me to think that it's a fluke of any kind. I'll just say that, like. I feel more confident in saying that they're going to be on the podium fairly regularly the rest of the year than not. Well, I mean, I look at it from the perspective of, I believe this was, this is also it for Mercedes. They're not going to get any other upgrades. And if this is a sign of things to come, then yeah, I'm, I'd be worried if I was a McLaren hater because they proved to be competent in a way that, I don't think any other midfield team is going to have as successful of a one weekend point grab as McLaren did this weekend. But I think the hardest part about the whole thing is actually Aston and and Fernando Alonso just kind of falling off, you know, like nothing that they've done brought them up with everyone else. And, you know, like to me, Mercedes, Look, they're always going to be like a lurking threat, whether they're on the podium or not. They're capable. More importantly, they're capable strategy wise than, you know, not to pick on Ferrari, but way more capable. (laughs) But it's it's so true, man. It's like, you know. They just don't make those those mistakes. They're very, you know, like there's been a few over the years where, like, I think Lewis not pitting when the safety car rolled out a couple of times, I think George had the same situation at at certain points, but like, it's so few and far between for them that they almost, you almost like people just naturally dismiss them when they're, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth, whatever, like Todd, Todd, Todd's done this most of this season, right? Not picking on you, Todd, but like every time it's like, what, what did Lewis finish or what did, George finish. And it's like two spots above where you call it. Right. Like that's where, that's how people think about Mercedes. And that leaves like room for them to sneak in. I think even though, even though the car is not as fast as Red Bull or um, maybe McLaren moving forward, they're still going to be close enough to, to sneak, you know, I I don't think anybody's going to beat Max to be honest. Like I wouldn't be surprised if he just wins the rest of the year, but um you know, that they could definitely sneak a few podiums in that most people are not expecting, in you my opinion. McLaren's going to sneak podiums. I'm saying, I'm, I mean, McLaren will, I think McLaren will for sure get probably four and or five it, more it, at so least you're talking out of the rest of the year. Mercedes. I think Mercedes, yeah. Like, just like this weekend, right? Like, Lewis did nothing most of the race that would have led us to believe that he was going to end up on the podium. He was there. He was, you know, competitive. The car wasn't you know, rocket ship fast or, or anything, but like they played it right. And they end up, you know, edging out the, the second McLaren car. Like that's just the way I think, I think that's just the way that they 
kind of had landed comfortably being playing that role. Yeah, but I, I mean, McLaren or not McLaren, Mercedes has been on average, I would say, the second fastest car. Right. We, it started like Aston was like a rocket ship. Right. But like uh, between the two drivers, because Stroll is, is Stroll. It's not even a dig. It's just fact. Right. Um, the man is who he is. Yeah. So like you have Lewis and George, which are both, you know, top five, top seven drivers in a car that's like. Pace wise, maybe at best third, but if they're both finishing behind Alonso, they're still going to beat him in the constructors, right? If they're just, and one of them sneaks onto the podium every time. So I, I think it's obviously Red Bull's running away with both championships. Between that, or secondarily to that, Mercedes has P2 pretty much locked up, especially if Aston's taking a step back in pace. I think you're overachieving or overestimating McLaren at this stage. I think the track suited him this weekend. The fact that it was like misty and and cloudy, um, because that apparently the McLaren car just mechanically heats up its tires pretty quick and then overcooks its tires on the hot track. So it let it heats heated up the tires in the cold conditions really well. So had the pace, but because it was cooler, it wasn't overcooking the tires necessarily. So I think we had kind of the jury's still out on if this pace is is real. It's definitely a significant step forward. Uh, I mean, in one weekend, they went from, what was it, like P7 in the championship to P5. They're now in front of Alpine and looking like they're going to easily beat Alpine for that. I'm more curious if this pace is real. Can they catch Ferrari? Because Ferrari is. Bring it on. Just let's have well, a no, Ferrari clown corner. I, I talked about this in <laughs> in the pre-show, but and I think it was before you got here, Nick. I'm. We were talking about like we always make jokes about Ferrari's ineptitude as like a, as race strategy or their pit pit crew. But honestly, like one of their biggest downfalls, and I, you can fact check me on this, but I believe four of the six Ferrari powered cars in the last two races have blown up. That's not great, great odds. Ooh. Like, it, it, I, yeah. What? So ha- Haas, Haas, Haas and Williams. Yeah. Uh, one Alpha and. Actually, is that? I think I thought it was one Haas Williams? twice, another Haas, and uh, check check me on DNFs. I'm, I'm I see you googling. So, away. from a DNF perspective, for Austria, the only DNF we had was Nico Hulkenberg. For Silverson, we had Kevin Magnussen and Esteban Ocon. So, yeah, both we've had one DNF from a Haas driver in each of the last two races. But- I think everybody else finished the race. So I'm not sure where the other ones come in for. It's just one of those things that I know we as a society love a good meme. The burning image in my mind from this race, if you had to ask me to distill it to one screenshot, 
it would be that dialogue between Max and his race control team, <laughs> basically saying, hey, what are Ferrari doing? Oh, they're pitting? All right, we'll keep them going then. That's Ferrari. That's who they are. Yeah. It's as simple as that. Yeah. I mean, it's also crazy to think that Leclerc has two or three podiums, right? Signs hasn't podiumed yeah. at all, and Signs has more points than Leclerc. Because he's been more consistent. Also, yep. he was on... F- well, yeah, because they just, like... In Austria, I know he finished behind Leclerc for various reasons. But, like, Sainz was the best driver on the track, bar max, in Austria. He was all over the... Pl- all over overtakes, crazy overtakes. He had uh, amazing wheel-to-wheel battles with, like, Lando, with Checo. Just... He was amazing. And I th- am doubling down on... If somebody leaves Ferrari, it's going to be Leclerc, not Sainz. Oh, when we get to the silly season, I've got thoughts about this, but I'm happy you've joined Team Carlos when it comes to Ferrari driving allegiances. I mean, I feel like I feel like that's that's the perfect segue. We just jump right in. But yeah, let's let's so, talk silly season. So yeah. now that Danny Rick has lovingly kicked the door open with complete with wig and clown outfit. Where where do we go from there? So that that we think that means that next year Checo's out of a seat, Danny Rick goes to Red Bull. What does that say? This off? is how I propose this is how I propose we do this segment. I think each of us kind of write out or read out rather our fan fiction. And I think like you said, Todd, walk us through how Checo is no longer on the grid. Like fill in any seats and show your work, so to speak. Okay, before you do that, I got one question for you, Todd. This is going back a little bit. I was looking at it before we started recording. The closest a team has come to winning all the races since, like, whatever, 1950s-ish. 1988, Alain Prost and Ayrton Senna. If, If Red Bull continues this dominance... One, do they get do they win every race? And two, can you actually talk about Max and Checo in the way that people talk about that McLaren no. team? You had two world champions on that team. Checo is at best a very talented but probably overrated number two. I mean, actually I wait. This is- I don't know if Senna had had a championship in eighty eight. Actually, I think he won his first one in 88. But anyway, um, the there's no way you can talk about him in the same vein because look at the point standings. Like when when it was Alan, Alan Prost and, and uh, Ayrton Senna um, on the same team, they were battling for the championship up until the final race of the season. I think 88 was the first year that one of them crashed into the other to win the championship. It might have been. It was either 88 or 89. But uh, that's like goes down in Formula 1 history. But they were literally battling for the championship the last race. Checo has already lost the championship and we're 10, yeah. 10 races in. So if anything, so just it's going to be the one-man show, right? People are going to talk yeah, about Max. That's what I'm going... 
It's exactly that, because I don't think Checo's going to win another race this year if we're looking at current form. And if that's the case and Red Bull still wins every race, I think we have to start talking about the fact that this might be the most dominant thing we've ever seen in Formula One. Because if that scenario plays out the way that we think it does, Checo took one race off of him and really... No other team took any race off Red Bull if that was the case. As for the fact-checking on Senna and Prost, it was an 88, and this was the only race that McLaren did not win in 1988 is when they crashed into each other. Look at the big brains on Brad. Double threat guy. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm a Formula One nerd. Uh, so back to the silly season, or Nick, did you have further further questions on that? Nope, it's, that was it's it. Max, that was he's going to go That's down fair. as... Uh, probably one. So you would compare this season more to a, what is it? 2019 Lewis Not and, even. and Botas. He's going to win the championship by a mile. Better in terms of dominance. Yeah. yeah in terms Val- of max dominance. had a handful of wins okay. and was usually P2, right? Yeah. If it was only if like Lewis had yeah. an off day. That's why I think like this is going to put Max in in the the annals. I think the word is of history. That is, I, it's it feels like you're saying anal. Let's be real. Um, <clears throat> uh, this is going to put him in in the halls of history as probably the most dominant season of all time, even beating 2019 Lewis or 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 whatever 20 2006 Schumacher or like. I don't know, pick a dominant season from a, a driver. 94 Hill, like it, craziness. 72 and 10 Chicago yeah. Bulls. 73 and 9. Gold. No, that's not it. 70. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is, it's crazy. Uh, but as far as silly season goes, I, I want to jump to what you were talking about earlier, Ro, because this isn't. This is probably way down the chain in silly season, but I think good old Terry could be on the hot seat. He's getting super outperformed. By oh, he's gone. I think he's done. Anyway, go on. I'll, I'll fantasy book mine later. But I'm in agreement with you. Yeah. No, I want to hear your thoughts on it because, like, you you brought it up earlier, and I, I for such an established exactly- driver, like, what is going on? I think put it this way. It speaks to who he is in the pantheon of the sport that this is not that big of a deal, all things considered. Because, yeah, I've we've always kind of joked about the fact that he seems like he's quit on himself. He's quit on the team because of all the years he's been asked to be number two to Lewis. But I could see him literally withering away into the sunlight because he's done. Like, he has nothing left to prove. I don't think he's ever going to get a podium in that car. I mean, if you guys are feeling strongly about it let's make a bet about it but he's done and i think he's okay he gets to show his butt on occasion he's got a gin he likes to bike with his very attractive girlfriend like that man's living his best life and we talked about this a little bit with danny rick where it's like okay you know you get this certain maturity when you get older where you're just like you know what i just want to enjoy what i have let him enjoy what he has let him be the greatest crossover star to nascar because his hair is already ready for it, and I think so is his body and his mind. And I think he would live under a certain anonymity that he would not be granted anywhere else in the world if he makes that move over. But that's truly the most fantasy of bookings. But I think he's gone. But anyway, go on, Todd. 
I think the mustache screams NASCAR too. So Terry Botas is going to be a reality the same way that Todd wished Danny Rick into Formula One again. Could you imagine Terry with just a big old mutton chops and a handlebar mustache in NASCAR? Like <laughs> he's weird. Can you imagine him being? The, I mean, yeah, he's. Go ahead. No, I was just saying. Like you're right. It seems like all of his interests lie outside of Formula One now, and he's uh, slightly checked out. Even in like post race interviews, he's just like, "Nah, got a bit unlucky," and he's very Finnish about it now. Uh, when before he still had like kind of a sparkle in his eye, he doesn't doesn't feel like that anymore. Isn't it funny how different we think of him? responding after races that way compared to like the way Kimi Raikkonen would be like so dismissive to but reporters after races always like that like, like 2008 Kimi was that yeah yeah but Terry's yeah. the nice man version of Kimi where it's that apathy it's that disinterest he's still gonna answer you and address you like a human but anyway talk to us about how Checo is off the seat and like walk us through your plan and then we'll discuss and then we'll let Nick and I also go like so Imagine this scenario. Daniel Ricardo comes in and wipes the floor with Sonoda. He gets several P10, P9, P8, maybe a P7 in there somewhere, right? S- several points finishes and consistently beats him. Checo uh, has missed. Let, let, let's remind that this is the fastest car, the biggest margin probably in recent Formula One history. Maybe the 2020. Lewis Mercedes was like just as fast, but Botas was right there. Checo has missed Q3 in the last five races. In the fat in the by a mile fastest car on the grid. What the hell is going on with him? Like he had a a what? A win in Monaco and he won the what first or second race of the season? And other than that second race. Yep. He won, what was it, Jetta? Jetta, okay. He is underperforming more than Nick DeVries is underperforming right now. I understand why they wouldn't kick Checo now, because getting Danny Rick up to speed like would potentially, if Max has a couple of DNFs for mechanical or whatever, and you know Aston has a one-two, yeah, right? Uh, Ferrari has a couple of one twos, get some closer in the standings, you know, crazy things happen, whatever. Um, but I think they kick DeVries now, they get Daniel Ricardo some seat time in granted a dog, but it probably has similar characteristics to the Red Bull, be- like mechanically, because they share a lot of the same parts. They, they AlphaTauri buys a lot of standardized parts from red bull um so it has similar maybe breaking characteristics or the things that bothered danny rick about the mclaren get him some seat time in there checo continues to underperform which he's on track for and probably even under more pressure now that they've got dr back in the grid i don't think it's going to go well from here it's definitely operate operates like a mid-2000s Ferrari Chamber of Fear with Dr. Evil and Christian Horner in there. So they've got all the right things to make make a successful team. And then they slide Danny Rick in next year. There's like, I don't see at this point, other than Checo getting P2 
basically 80% of the time for the rest of the season, why they wouldn't just be like, thanks for the memories. You're on your way. So, so then the hard question is Checo's out of formula one at that point. Like who does he just become Valtteri Botas? What he's 30, 33, 34. He's got to be somewhere in that I range. Think he's right. He's a so little younger, but most teams are going to yeah, invest in a younger driver. I think he would be a great seat to fill for like a, for, for an alpha the last year before the Audi official takeover. Um, by the way, Checo is 33. Oh, he is. Okay. So he's all in the same range. Yeah. I think Valtteri's 33. Danny's 34. They're all in that same, same vein. Um, but I, I could see him landing in a midfield team like that, or like even a Williams trying to mentor Alex up even further. See, okay. This is where I think our plans diverge a little bit. So this is my thought. I agree with you. I don't think Checo is long for the Red Bull. I think starting next year, he is going to be out of that Red Bull driving system. Danny Rick is going to take his spot on Red uh, Red Bull second seat. Now, for me, with Botas also leaving, I agree with you. I think Checo is going to move into that seat. I think you give Guan one or two more years, depending on when the Audi contract hits. But everything I've read, that's Carlos Sainz's seat to lose. So now in my uh scenario i've got a alfa romeo slash sauber slash audi team of checo and signs and then i think you move sonoda to williams because alex albon's going to take that ferrari seat holy hell but why so let me continue your train of thought here but ask a question you think sure. that Sainz would leave Ferrari being the better performing driver generally, <coughs> right? Maybe not high, as high as peaks and lows valleys, but but more consistent, I should say. Um, you think he would leave the Ferrari seat, which still, for some reason, holds like a magical place in every F1 fan's heart because of the longest running but team and, and most successful team. and. It's- it's a question of who's the driver that he would be paired with staying in Ferrari. For all of his struggles, for all of his inconsistency, Charles Leclerc can do no wrong. He So Carlos Sainz, in my mind, is never going to be the face of Ferrari, the same way Leclerc is right now. The narrative is not as clean. And I think for all of his success, Carlos Sainz is probably the most decorated journeyman of this generation of driver. Would that be fair to say? Yeah. I think so. I think so. And to the point that you also made about why would he leave, if he goes to Audi slash Sauber, I think he can be that face of that car. I don't think there is anybody else that, in my mind, is a viable free agent that could hold the same credibility in new fans' eyes if Carlos Sainz becomes driver one for that team, especially if you've flanked him with Checo Perez. The thing with Albon, to me, is he's warranted his drive as a top uh He's warranted his reputation as a top six adjacent driver, the way that he's been pulling results out of this William. He's not going to go back to Red Bull because that's where Danny Rick is residing in my hypothetical scenario. I think Ferrari makes the most sense for him. Uh, You make good points. Like, I don't really know 
Like, it's kind of crazy to think that, and we absolutely could see that much of a shakeup. And here's the thing. It's not going to happen. I'm speaking wildly out of my butt. But at the same time, to me, it just seems like one of these things that Checo's struggling away that I don't think we anticipated him ever struggling, especially considering how he used his last year in Racing Point to get that Red Bull seat. Because, correct me if I'm wrong, the pinnacle of his racing point career was getting from literally last to first in that race. So Christian Horner could have that moment in Drive to Survive where he literally calls him on the phone and says, you got the seat. We're a long way from that amicable, warm of a relationship between Checo and Red Bull. I think he sees the writing on the wall. I don't think he's necessarily capitulated, but he just gives the vibe of a young Dante Hicks from Clerks where I'm not even supposed to be here. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, I, I I disagree there. I feel like he's still I think it's finally settling in. I think up until this point or until this year, he's felt like I'm here to battle Max for the championship. And now I feel like he's finally like coming to the realization is like there's nothing that I can do to beat Max. Even if I'm outperforming Max, it's Max's team. But I'm also not going to touch max's pace right now and it's just everything that chamber of fear like i mentioned is getting to his head he needs that like the reason he was so successful and so well loved in in uh in racing point like he literally saved the team from bankruptcy and everybody on that team like felt like they owed him their livelihood because he was their savior i think I can see like your vision happening, but not this year because Audi's not there yet and Honda's not there yet, which I think leads me to another segue. Please go for it. Yuki shot my wad. I think Honda's really going to press hard at Aston to get Yuki a role there somehow. And I think two more years of Lance being Lance. Finally, Lawrence is going to release the reins a little bit and say like, Okay, the team run the team. Mike Crack, who do you want your drivers to be? We gave Lance what? It, how many seasons has he been in Formula One now? I was actually just checking that like right seven? now because I wanted to make a bet with you to see if he is going to reach a decade in Formula One. Like it's all. It, yeah, I think it is. I think it's like eight it's or nine, seven. isn't it? I'll, I'll look it up. You guys keep going. His okay. first year in Formula One was 2017. I'll put him at six, seven. Yeah, seven years. Seven. Yeah. Man, my brain's working today. Um, but I think Yuki is the prodigal son of Honda, and Honda making that partnership and like really diving in again. This feels a little bit different for some reason. I don't think they're going to be a flash in the pan, uh, you know, engine constructor again. Uh, and not that they were necessarily last time, but it 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 was just really weird timing for them to pull out at their peak. That's what she said. Um, but I think Yuki's <laughs> going to end up at Aston somehow in 2026. That, I mean, he's. The thing about Yuki is that, that we don't take into consideration is that he's still stupid young. What, 23, 22? No, I think he's 21. Like he's, I think he was 20 when he came on the grid, yeah. Yeah, he's or super whatever. young, but right? Super young. 
so yeah, to, to your point, like that, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I think Honda's going to push for him to be, you know, a part of whatever team that they, they really, you know, f- end up fielding, right. Whatever that looks like. And I think, absolutely. I, I think he is really outperforming that car this year with two P tens, whatever it was. I said, he's got two P tens this year in this, basically the slowest or second slowest car on the grid when he, and it wasn't really um, like uh, a, a, in a lucky sort of way. It was like on pace and on fighting through the through through cars to get those. So, yeah, I think he's having a hell of a season. He's really proving himself this year, and he's here to stay for the long term. Which I've heard so much of, like from just psychotic F one Twitter that Yuki's going to be out, and I don't understand why. I mean, we, we, we I said that too, but at the same time, I guess my question is who takes a second seat with Yuki with Honda? Well, that's, that's the trickier question. Alonzo, I don't think there is going to be racing in 2026. He'll be 46, 45 at that time. Yeah, there'll be somebody, they'll, they'll, they'll be four or five different drivers that we're not even aware of on the grid. And that's his future world champion. I think at this point, Lynch should just embrace his career as a live action, twisted metal driver and just go that route. (laughs) (laughs) It's a deep cut. Uh, That's what I do. Yeah, man. I, speaking of Lance, I had so many people text me. That were so mad. I don't know why uh, they were so mad about it because none of them were Gasly fans. But they were so mad about the Silverstone incident where Lance, uh, in their view, purposely bumped Gasly on that. You know what? What is it like? Turn turn four, that really tight downhill yeah. hairpin. Um, I, I think it's just the car. He his talent. He overdrove his talent and he lost control of the car and slid into Gasly. It was just a, a strange thing for the reaction I saw. Not, o- not only that, the other strange thing for me was didn't Gasly have some sort of impediment from Carlos Sainz and he was ready to go hammer and tongs at how he's besmirched him, his driving, his reputation, but I didn't hear a word of him go after Stroll the same way. So I'm wondering like, does Stroll just kind of slide a, a slide a unmarked metal halberd and case full of $1 bills and all these drivers' doors whenever he messes up so they don't speak about such things in public? Like, how does he keep getting away with this? I think there's like a sniper on a tower it's be- and you can it's- see the red dot on his shirt. And he knows <laughs> whose sniper it is. I think it's that they don't want to upset Daddy Stroll because they never know if they might be looking for a job some one of these days must be that because it's one of those things where I tend to be the biggest Lance Stroll defender out of us, which isn't really saying much, but even me, I was like, what are we doing? Like, what is going on? Like he was especially strolly this past couple of races. Like, I think every race had some sort of Lance Stroll incidents where really, if you don't know any better, all you can say is, Oh, that's just Lance being Lance. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't, I don't, 
that's such like the hardest thing about formula one is these situations where, you know, your dad owns the team. Like who, how does anybody ever one, like completely understand how does anybody ever not let their son drive for the team when, you know, like all jokes aside, he is capable of driving a formula one car and lands in that top 20 somehow, some way, right? Like granted, he's got a lot more chances to grow into this car that, that he's in now than most drivers would ever get. But you know, he's still a good driver, right? Like objectively speaking, I know Todd's like burning inside needs to say something right now, but it's crazy to try to like figure that out because it could be something that lasts for another 10 years. You know, like if, if you don't have to win to be competitive, just let your kid keep driving. Right. I mean, nobody's going to talk shit on the grid because there's going to be a second seat where they might want a job, you know? Yeah. It's absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like if, if Lawrence Stroll is serious in his five-year plan, he has to at some point admit that his son, even if they make the fastest car on the grid, his son is not going to be a part of that championship. And they need an Alonso or they need a Max or they need a Lewis or somebody that's consistently at the top of their game to put them there. And honestly... I think this year's Red Bull is an anomaly. I think the regulations are only going to get twisted tighter and tighter to make the cars as spec as possible because Formula One itself knows that to keep the growth, the 333 million new fans, as Ronnie McCardo likes to point out, um, uh, to keep this fan base and keep the value in Formula One that it has right now, we need good racing. Because like even this year, it's down like forty percent or something because of the domination. I don't know. I said that in the Discord this weekend, and Aaron What's corrected that? me. So because I've I read that ratings are down in Europe, but they're steadily going up in America. So I'm wondering, like, and attendance is okay. up in Europe, but the ratings in terms of actual television, uh, television watching, or I, I'm not sure. Like, I think we need to do some digging and, and actually find out what the what that real truth is behind all of that. But I, I mean, I think the other part of it, the, the stroll thing that like messes everything up is that he's also really young, 23, 24, right? Like he's been racing for a long he time, but he's still young. really young. So like, I'm going to say oh, he's definitely that young. 24 years old. I think he's 24. Yeah. That's like a season vet at this point. He's Right, but but like if your dad owns the team, that means you got five more years to prove yourself. No yeah. questions. But again, you don't talk about you don't talk about age until like twenty eight, twenty nine, thirty in Formula One, unless somebody just straight up sucks. And I know you feel like no, he does. I, I, but in, like in the wet, he's like Rain Man. He's just he turns into Ayrton, Ayrton Senna in the wet for some reason. So <laughs> Lawrence Stroll is going to lobby F one to put sprinklers on the outside of all the tracks. And finally, he'll be a consistent points producer. Uh, but who are you going to replace Alonso with to keep that? If if Lawrence Stroll is serious and 
they're putting whatever like 400 million into that wind tunnel uh and like yeah. just so much infrastructure investment to make them <clears throat> a real team uh you know a top top three team or whatever which they already have a quick car this year I, I know they've taken a step back but they're still what p3 in the championship um and they want to keep building towards the future who are you going to replace uh, uh, Alonso with when he retires that's of the same caliber from the current driver lineup? I mean, I don't see Alonso retiring anytime soon. I think you get a couple more years out of him. I don't know if he makes it to 26 and Honda's return, but like he, the thing is like his situation with, with Aston Martin and with Stroll in particular is perfect, right? He plays it up that he's just there supporting his teammate He's super competitive. He's more competitive in that car than he has been in years. And like, to be honest, at his age, it's a great place to be, right? Like, why, why not just keep cutting the checks and, and, and racing, you know, like you're doing what you love. You're making great money. You're getting to sell more Kamoa hats, you know, like at the end of the day, like it's kind of a perfect scenario for him. If he gets a few podiums out of it, or maybe even squeezes out a win or two at some point along the way. Like, I don't think he does any better anywhere else, and I don't think he wants to leave the sport. Stroll, on the other hand, seems to be at least respectful of him compared to, you know, the way most of the younger guys act towards, you know, like the the kind of legacy drivers and stuff. I think that, you know, Vettel leaving, Sebastian Vettel leaving Aston Martin is a sign that, like, you know, he's younger than Alonzo. He could still be racing and doing the same thing, making money and, you know, supporting his causes and, you know, building his brand up even more. But it's interesting because I would, I assume that the vibe between Lance Stroll and Sebastian Vettel was much different than the vibe between Fernando Alonso and Lance Stroll is. And that's why I think Vettel ultimately left maybe earlier than, you know, I would have expected him to, because I, I don't think any of us expected him to retire. Yeah. Yeah. That was a shock, but I do agree with you. Like there is not a good solution for a replacement for Alonzo at Aston Martin. Like no, no, I don't know. Like I just don't see any experienced driver being like, yeah, I'm going to go drive for that team and know that you're kind of second tier, even if you're first. Bro, any wild takes? Top tier no, talent. I mean, I'm trying to process. Yeah, I'm trying to process this all just because of the fact that it is too far off. But if there's one person that's going to give us a proverbial middle finger and say, "No, I'm going to drive until I'm 50," it's going to be Fernando Alonso. But I also do think that when it <laughs> rains or pours, and I could see a scenario where with Lance Stroll pulling out, or let's say Lawrence Stroll pulls out, and that means Lance seat's gone and Fernando Alonso's gone. I could see that team almost not cease to be in five years time, just because of the fact that who knows who's going to be able to replace that. And if it's one thing we've kind of learned about formula one as a sport is it's how billionaires become millionaires and people may be tired of losing money hand over fist the way that they do when they're fielding a not as competitive team. I think, I don't know if that's really feasible though, because even though like we're not seeing them win, win, the trajectory of the team is is going in the right direction for a formula 1 team like and i and i mean for like a really competitive long-term formula 1 team you know like 
they're doing the right things. They're investing, you know, aside from, you know, uh, you know, people not understanding stroll as a, as a driver, you know, like if you had, if you swap any other young driver onto that team, put Yuki on that team, like what better way to like, you know, continue growth with those two, you know, Alonzo kind of, you know, mentoring Yuki and Honda coming back down the road. Like that's a perfect scenario for every, everything in four or five years for that team to end up being, you know, assuming Honda brings the same kind of reliability that they usually do. That team could be really competitive. I will ask you gentlemen, both this, what is Lance Stroll's current point total right now? I don't know. It's 44. I was going to say 44. 50. So yeah. In 50? No, it's 44, but he's like but he's been doing oh. his part. Like I've been kind of impressed with how he's been driving. Where does that 44 uh, 44 point season rank right now in his entire career? Oh, by far the first. It's got to be. No, it's still not. No, I don't think so. Yeah, seventy-five points with racing point in twenty twenty. No, but but he's only ten races in. He's yeah, got forty-four points. Exactly. He's he should be able to say this is his best year as a Formula One driver. And that being said, I agree with what Nick is saying in terms of that trajectory is doing well because I almost don't think you can utilize Fernando Alonso as a comparison point for this year's team just because of the fact that we don't know how much longer he's going to be. And I would say this, I don't even think Fernando Alonso thought he was going to have as good of a season as he's been having. So it's a better indicator to me to look at how is that second team or second driver facing with regards to having the same form of machinery. And right now I would say this, Lance Stroll's doing his part, even though he drives like a jackass more often than not. <laughs> so wait, hold on. How many points does Aston have though? Let's look at teams. They've got 181 points. Of which 44 are Lance's. So is that really doing his part if two-thirds of the points, more less than two-thirds of the, or less than a third of the points are his? That's like saying Checo's doing his part right now. I mean, okay. But let, okay, let me ask you this then, Todd. Who is, who, take someone else from that seat and put them in that car, and do they actually put, put more DeVries points on the board? Outside of, outside you of the put Ferraris, the reason that car and he'd have more than forty four points right now. Wow! Hold on, uh, Hold I don't. I, I disagree with that one. Entertaining day. <laughs> I'm no, being facetious a little bit, but I'm serious. You could take probably eight of the bottom ten drivers on the grid, and they'd have more than forty four points right now. I'm here. This is what we're gonna do. I'm gonna read them all off, starting at. Let's go with number. Hold on. Where are the driver standings? la di da di da I'm going to glamp for time because I don't know what to do. Still glamping. Still going for it. <laughs> I got There's it. There's the page I'm looking for, waiting for. Okay. Let's start off at, ironically, Lance Stroll is number eight. Okay. We're just going to look at everybody below Lance Stroll because everybody ahead of Lance Stroll is part of Red Bull, Aston Martin, or Mercedes. So number nine, Lando Norris. Do we think he would score more points in that Aston Martin second seat? See. He'd be ten points off of uh, Fernando. Would right he now. score more points than ten points only? So he would get. Yeah. No, he'd be. He, he, Todd's saying he'd be at like one forty. Okay, because Fernando's got one thirty-seven. So Todd, you're saying if Lando was in that car, he would have one forty-seven points. No, I would say he'd be like ten points under him. Uh, one twenty-seven. Okay, so one twenty-seven. <clears throat> okay, so we'll say that's 
Uh, plus four Todd's point. Number 10, Esteban Ocon. How many more points, or would he give you a similar point total to what Lance has right now? He'd give you 100, 110, easy. Right now with this car. I'm I'm doing this just to make sure that Nick's face turns the same <laughs> orange that his San Francisco Giants hat is doing. Okay. Uh, where were we? Number 11, Oscar Piastri. Easy. 100 points, easy. Oscar yeah, Piastri three for three. What finally had a good car and got P4. I know he's I'm underperformed. Just, get... I know he's underperformed. You guys can write a new one on the next podcast after the next race. <laughs> if Oscar Piastri has a good car again, or Lando's, you know, top five again, and Oscar Piastri is down in 16. Okay. No, I, I, I think you're right with, with, uh, Look, I think Lando and Piastri are the anomalies in the rest of this group. I think that both of them, this is why I'm so big on McLaren, McLaren still, because the car is now up to the skill of the drivers. I think that that team is like in a better spot than they've been in. I know like we can get into tracks and all that stuff, but aside from that, the rest of the guys on the grid, I just feel like are not that much better than Stroll on a regular I basis. I have an argument I want to bring up specifically about this. Lance Stroll has 44 points. <laughs> I want to get through a couple more drivers. Okay, but let me just go on this tangent. Okay. Lance yeah, Stroll has for 44 points in the third best, at best, or like at worst, third quickest car, sometimes second, second quickest car. Oscar Piastri in the seventh or eighth quickest car has 17 points on the so far this year. He's got almost half of Lance Stroll's points in a, a times a million worse car. Okay, continue. Is the Aston Martin really consistently the With third the best car last out there? race? Yes. Okay, I just want to get through a couple more, and then we can continue this conversation. Would Pierre <laughs> Gasly score more points than Lance Stroll in this car? Yeah, I mean. He's good for at least 90 plus points, the odd race off, you know? Yeah. Okay, two more. And I, I basically, I just want to establish. So, so the main... why does the Alpine, yeah, why does the Alpine suck that bad then? <laughs> it's the mechanics of the car, I would think, more than anything. <laughs> I just want to establish what the Mendoza line is for young Todd Yates. <laughs> Alex Albon. <laughs> How many more points? would Alex Albon have if he was in the Lance Stroll spot? I would actually rate him higher than most. Uh, I would put him below Lando, above Oscar, Pierre, and Ocon. Okay, so you have him buck 20, essentially buck in second 25, place. something like that. Buck 25, my man says with confidence, and that's what we love on the Exhaust Noise <laughs> podcast. Okay, okay. Here's the, here, here's the Mendoza line. My nephew turned 10 this weekend, drove his first cart at the track up at Laguna Seca MotoGP. How many points would he have above Stroll if he was in an F1 car? <laughs> first time ever driving a car. He did actually do really well to the point where the guys that were running the karting track were like, yeah, just let him let him keep driving if he wants to keep going, which was nice. I would say you're 120. Your wow. 10-year-old nephew <laughs> not even having the neck muscles to contend with the G-forces that are in Formula <laughs> 1. 
would have 47 points to Lance Stroll's 44. Now, this is such a like... <laughs> this has turned into just a weird Lance bashing episode. But... I'm I over here I, defending I the poor guy. Moderate. And, and I guarantee the minute... The minute... If this comes out and Trev's done listening to it, he's going to be all in my DMs cursing my name. I'm sorry. I have nothing against Canada. That's okay. I don't he's even have it. anything against Lance Stroll. It's just that he's seven years deep and he's still making mistakes of a rookie, like running into people on accident, uh, out driving his car, out driving his talent, yada, yada, yada. I already said all that shit. But like... I would think even Terry, checked out Terry, could have more points in the Aston right now than Lance Stroll just because of a consistency basis. Lance Stroll has, has some high peaks, particularly when it's wet. He When it's dry, I don't know where his head goes. He, he just doesn't do well in traffic in a race. His overtakes aren't great. His like awareness, his pace, like the EA ratings we were talking about. They're they're not awesome. I'll finish. Here's the with thing: that. you guys wanted to know, you you guys wanted to know who would take that spot as, alongside Lance Stroll if Fernando ever left before him. If that isn't a spot tailor made for a checked out Terry Bocas, I don't know who else is going to take that spot. <laughs> like that would be the definition of keep getting those checks, my man. Maybe maybe <laughs> yeah. that's what the next yeah. move is for Lawrence Stroll's master plan. He signs a double world champion to hype up Lance, get all the coaching tips he can get from him. And then he signs somebody that's checked out like Terry that doesn't mind really not giving a shit and finishing behind Lance every race to make Lance look better. This is essentially the Lawrence Stroll cycle of hiring a second driver to complete uh, compete and complete his son. Every other driver is a teaching type, the way Checo Perez might have taught him how to race. And then every the second driver is somebody that's just like, hey, I want to get one more year worth of Formula One paychecks. Your Seb Vettels, your Valtteri Bottas is hell. I wouldn't be surprised if he somehow got Kimi out of retirement because that would be fantastic. I would love to be at the uh, press conference where somebody asks Kimi what is his favorite thing about Lance Stroll as a driver. He's Canadian. That would be it. I mean, I, I, I yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't think that I don't think that the team changes at all. I think they seem run the same drivers next year, probably the year after that. It, it's going to give us plenty of heated discussion and debate, you know, to have Lance Stroll in the seat. So I'm here for it. Trev, come back on the show and we can, you know, we can have more of this debate in person that way. You know, speaking of Trev, can we have our trade episode? <laughs> I've already got my trade for young Todd Yates because by a process of elimination, I picked up Danny Rick in our draft. <laughs> oh, <laughs> nice. We'll uh, use that as a segue to talk about our fantasy league, and then we'll get out of here. Because, my goodness, it's fun to talk to you guys, but we always run long. I'm super not prepped for that. I apologize. I didn't bring any. I got you. No worries. I, I've been filling it out uh, over the course of the thing. So at least for our Exhaust Notes 2023 fantasy drafts, propriety, propriety fantasy system that we've built exclusively. So in last place, it's me with 340 points. Uh, in second to last place, we have Nick with 387 points. And third place, 
Todd with 399 points. And second place, Trevor with 431. So as long as he has his second place, he won't be as angry with you about your Lance Stroll thoughts. And then in first place, Aaron just riding that max train with 480 points. <laughs> yeah, I think that's going to be the differentiator this time. Yep. All right, I am ready to talk uh, the official F1 Fantasy League. Um, for the Grit- British Grand Prix, Grand Prix, uh, we had uh, P3. Um, well, we had a three-way tie for P2. So we'll go with P5, but really P3, full send. And a three-way tie for P2 uh, was myself, the Trav Pete, and Terry Bot Ass, which I believe is... Uh wait, who's Terry Bottas? Was that you, Ro? Or was that No, uh, I was the fight no cons. Oh, that might that might be uh Drew in the Discord. <clears throat> and then P1 was Toto Squad. The overall standings for the league. In P3 we have the Trav Pete. In P2 we have Terry Bottas. And in P1 still with a slim lead, which is shrinking every race, myself. I'm pulling for you. What can I do? Can I crash into Trap Pete's car or I uh, hope Terry so. Bottas's car? Because Mr. Game the System Trap Pete wins every Discord Fantasy League, needs some sort of uh you know extra weight in his car or whatever you wanna whatever you wanna call it. Say no more. All right. I think we wrap here. Let's do it. I think so. I also already sent Trav a message and I said I'm sorry in advance for the pod. <laughs> I love it. Can you just let us know what he says back to you? All right, guys. Well, <laughs> tune in. Tune in next, next time. time. <laughs> uh, so, are you guys on Threads? Do we need to let people know how to find yeah, us on Threads? Exhaust Notes FM threads on Threads. It's the same username. And now, if you ever want to delete your instagram or you can't delete threads without deleting your instagram so they got us they've handcuffed us to two social media or social networks now instead of the one anybody on blue sky hook your boy up with an invite i just need something to replace twitter because i'm starting to feel gross about twitter yeah i I need a blue sky invite i'm too old for those newfangled social medias however i am on threads because i didn't know what i was doing when i signed up so I think Threads has some potential to be, at least for a little while, not as chaotic as as F1 Twitter, but still healthy God, discourse. I can't wait for you to be the grandfather of Formula One Threads. I can't. It even sounds better. I can't wait to be re-threaded <laughs> on occasion. Come follow me on Threads <laughs> on Instagram. Uh, Dad Shoe, that's S-H-U-E dot JPEG. Uh, on Twitter at dad shoe underscore f1 or jpeg or something i don't know you'll find me what was life like before the war grandpa we'll put links in the description (laughs) uh yeah you can follow me on threads instagram road m13 on twitter at rohizy for sheezy one and then on OnlyFans as the sanskrit stunner or nick where can they find you Oh, man. Amazing. You can find me at Nick Ingvall on all the platforms. 
More importantly, Exhaust Notes FM everywhere. And uh, hit the first link in the description wherever you're watching or listening to this and join the Discord. That's where all the people that we've been talking about this episode, Julie, Trevor, Aaron, Trav, everybody that supports us and listens to the show, we appreciate y'all. We'll catch you on the next one. Peace. Peace.